0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I think I say that a lot, but really, welcome. You do. We're happy to have you. We're glad you're listening. The podcast continues and, to grow. I will have you know. And
1: we do this. And we do this a lot. That's that's why you can say welcome back because it yeah. is a regular thing with us. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. This is nice. We've got uh, some t-bates, debates, debates, debates. That's a new word. Debates for you. Uh, <laughs> we've got. Uh, let's see, Bruce and Brad. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. This
0: is pretty cool. I'm not sure where Brad Very lives. Very different, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bruce uh, wrote us a long email, which is great. A lot of good inf- information in here. He is in Santa Cruz, California. And uh, mm-hmm. what's so cool about this is he has never spent more than, gosh, $5,000? It's in here. It's, uh,
1: 2400
0: for the most he's ever spent
1: on his personal car. Oh yeah, he and that's I right. are talking that's right. about don't buy over five, uh, under 5000 or 5000 and less and he's never spent more than 2400 so he's kind of politely laughing at us. And then he acknowledges <laughs> right after that though that he's always spent good money on his wife's car because she can't afford to be stranded. Well, that's the big caveat right there. His wife has something that needs to just run. They spend real money yeah. on it. He has a car where it's like if I get stranded, I get stranded. Whatever. He spends twenty four hundred and he's good. But he's got a, for him a big budget. He's splurging to thirteen grand, which is going to be exciting.
0: Well, this is actually challenging for us because we've been spending so much time lately in the you know gosh thirty forty fifty range lately. But this mm-hmm, is a good mm-hmm. challenge to really bring us back into some you know real bargains and what's out there. What can you get that's really going to be something good? I look yeah. forward to sharing with you all the cars that he's had because I'm trying to find okay there's an early 90s but so far everything was in the 70s and 80s cars that he's had.
1: Did you notice Which this? Which is why they were cheap to buy too. I yeah. mean, you know, it's not like, yeah, it's got exactly right. <laughs> well, then Brad. Unless you're buying an old 911 or, a, or an original M3. I mean, your car's from the 70s and 80s. They just, they, you better believe you can get them cheap.
0: <laughs> exactly. Except for 80s Porsches now. But that's a side note.
1: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. One of those two. It's either an 80s yeah. 911 or a original M3. Those are expensive. Everything else is kind of like, well, how much do you have in your pocket? That I'll go with, you know. So
0: <laughs> We'll go with that. All right. So on to Brad. His budget is about double that. He's looking in the 25 000 to 27000 range. And yep. uh, got some thoughts. I'm, I'm still warming to thoughts on you, Brad, here. I'm uh, making a list here. But he's also got a different kind of list and different requirements, which is good. He's got kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, importing cars are not out of the question for Brad. So this is going to be kind of fun. Kind of anyway. random, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So look forward to debating these and uh, hmm, still still mulling
1: Brad here. Hopefully <laughs> hopefully, inspiration will strike you as we go on here. I want to thank you guys for uh, rating and reviewing this podcast. You were doing that every time we mention it. So why do why we keep mentioning it? Because two big things happen. One, when we mention it, those of you that have not yet rated, shared, or reviewed the podcast do so. And it continues to help us grow. We are consistently a top five automotive podcast, which is pretty cool and kind of amazing when you see some of the other brands that are up there with us. So uh, we're thrilled. And that is entirely due to you guys rating and reviewing. So you can find a Stitcher, obviously, Google Play, uh, iTunes. Of course, iTunes has the most straightforward rating and and rankings system. But uh, there are options elsewhere as well, so we would appreciate that if you would.
0: Absolutely. All right. So on to the adventures, the track day in Chicago, and most notably our oh, yeah. pilgrimage adventure. We are gaining people. The list is growing, which is great. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to uh, to more, more of you. So what I'm talking about here is, first of all, the pilgrimage adventure. Go to everydaydriver.com. Go to the adventures tab that you see. And right there are both of these, the track day and this adventure mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. Europe. We are proposing to you. We are inviting you to a trip to the <laughs> Nürburgring, full day at the Nürburgring, full day at Spa Francochamp in Belgium, and a road tour trip in between with all of your meals, your hotel room, transportation, everything covered. You just have yep. to get yourself yep. there. And we decided on that because... You could be coming from any place on the planet, so not just U.S., but you could already be. You could live next door. You could be Hugo, and his parents live, you know
1: hour away from around spa. the corner from spa yeah exactly well and we've had a couple of more signups just this week which is awesome and what's cool about the two signups we had this week both of those guys are track newbies i want to make that clear this is not a you're a track rat you've driven every track on the planet but not the ring and spa so you want to come we want you to come if you've never driven on a track because it's not we're not going to throw you to the wolves it's not like well here's the keys best of luck to you fight your way through traffic <laughs> right. first off right these are not big traffic days these are private track days that we're part of and secondly you're gonna have instructors with you for the first half of each track each each of your sessions so as a result you'll get really smart guys that know how to instruct people that in some cases don't even drive well and we don't think any of you are in that category to come along with us you can you can just come and both the guys that signed up this week it was really cool they signed up and then promptly said am I in trouble I don't have track experience and we said great come that's fine absolutely so we'd love to take you to those tracks with us Obviously, it's not a cheap trip, but it's going to be an unbelievable experience, and even better than our pilgrimage film was. So we we still kind of can't believe what we've set up. So thank you to those of you that have signed up. There are still spaces left, so we would love to have you join us. It's in September, and that's coming quick.
0: Yep, yep. All right. Uh, well, as I said, we've got these uh, these debates here. I want to break it down for you. First of all, starting with Bruce. As I said, writing from Santa Cruz, California. And uh, this was really cool. I I really appreciate you writing in. We both do. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the uh, just by a Miata question is what you led with because many times yeah. Todd and I have agreed whether it's new drivers or you know I just need a fun car for this budget. The budget that you're talking about here is thirteen thousand dollars U.S. Thirteen grand. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. will try to. Just push it and give you some options for
1: fifteen. <laughs> of course, you will. As one of the uh, announcers of at yeah. uh,
0: Pebble Beach, it's the guy that works for David Gooding. He's an Englishman, and he always pushes people. You know, that's what he's paid to do is get more money out of people of when they're, yeah, when they're yeah, bidding. Yeah. And he always says, "It's no money. It's no money. What's another <laughs> twenty thousand? No it's no money. It's exactly. the funniest thing ever to watch him." So I will say. I'll push you to fifteen just a little bit just to throw out some suggestions just to get you into some more modern and by modern i mean nineties and newer you know so
1: but but here 's the thing though if if you really have thirteen grand to spend, i think it's i 'm kind of there with you it 's worthwhile to at least look at fifteen and under as your price point because whoever you 're talking to you 're going to be able to talk them down some, yeah, so yeah, yeah. looking at fifteen I, I, if you 've got thirteen to genuinely spend. Looking at, at fifteen is not completely out of out of the question. I think it's a great place to see what's out there and you know, you might be able to talk somebody right into your budget, which I think it's at least a worthwhile thing. Keep going.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The list of cars that Bruce has had. <laughs> scrolling, scrolling, mm-hmm. scrolling. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. The cars that he's had, the first car in nineteen seventy nine, was it in nineteen seventy nine? Yeah. A Triumph Spitfire. A thousand dollar Spitfire and restoring it and had great fun. That makes me think of Sunbeam Tigers, those V8 Sunbeam Tigers. Anyway.
1: uh, 79, yeah.
0: (laughs) All right, so second car, a 70 VW camper van. So that was given to you.
1: Bruce, you seem to have a lot of
0: cars that are given to you. I'm wondering if it's just because you'll take them off people's hands.
1: Yeah, and and that way he's also not spent real money on cars because he keeps having cars handed to him. Yeah, exactly. Right,
0: right. what else? 74 Nova. A friend of mine had a Nova in uh, high school. It was like right around that era. And we all called it the Ferrari Testa Nova. It was awesome. <laughs> no, stop. Stop. <laughs> the Testa Nova. No. That's going to be a thing no. on Twitter. Get just all bad. Get ready. Uh, so that was 200 bucks. Uh, 65 nine passenger Plymouth Theory wagon.
1: <laughs> with a four forty enthusiast cubic inch hero car.
0: <laughs> and an automatic Yikes. transmission. Man, what else? Stepping into the nineties. Uh well, you were in the nineties, but you still bought a Jensen Healy Roadster. That was a problem <laughs> from a maintenance standpoint.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Understatement of the day <laughs> right there, yes.
0: Uh ooh, nineteen eighties Ford Escort. So this one uh We
1: broke into the eighties. Look at that.
0: Ooh. <laughs> we busted into the eighties. And Bruce's message to us is to always do a pre-sale inspection.
1: <laughs> uh, what, this gets Br- Bruce is actually kind of proving our $5,000 car problem uh, discussion. <laughs> He's saying, I've never spent that much on a car. But at the same time, his story goes on and on and just kind of goes, yeah, you got screwed. Yeah, you got screwed again. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's awful but funny. Anyway, keep going.
0: Uh, what else? 79 Volvo 240 wagon. The box that the car came in. Ha ha. You've all exactly. heard that joke.
1: It, it, the box that all other wagons come in. Absolutely true.
0: So that was uh, 2400 bucks. Lasted a long time. Very reliable. Those cars were reliable and built like uh, tanks were modeled after those cars. They looked at the Volvo yeah. wagons and went, huh, we could learn something.
1: We should <laughs> mount a gun on that. We should take that to war. <laughs> we you should. know what that needs? It's a 50 cal. That's what that needs.
0: <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Volvo wagons go to war. That would have been a chapter in history. Wow! Somewhere All right. there
1: are terrorists that are going to start buying Volvo wagons. Forget the Land Cruiser, man. I'm not buying 4Runners anymore. I'm buying a 240 uh, wagon and mounting a 50-cal on the hood. Anyway, sorry, go on.
0: Uh, clearly the snark has arrived for this podcast, which I welcome. This is great. Uh, 1990. Ooh, Bruce, a 90-accurate It's a integrity. modern
1: car. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, apparently it lasted a shorter time than anything you had actually bought because, again, that was another car given to you. I think Mm -hmm. people just like to give you things, but again, mainly because you'll probably just say, "Sure, I'll take it off your hands," which is great. I (laughs) I could drive that. Why not? I could drive that. That's still got some life left. Uh, And uh, uh, then finally, a '92 Jetta, twelve hundred bucks. Ten years later, still running strong.
1: Holy moly! So all of a sudden, but see, this is the shift. All of a sudden, there's thirteen grand to spend for Bruce. And he's talking about driving in the Santa Cruz Mountains. He's got a commute on a windy road. He wants ideally a convertible, and he wants to spend genuine money on it. And so, okay, you're stepping into a totally different class of vehicle. You've kind of leaned toward hardtop convertibles. You feel like the, the ability to actually close out the world when you want would probably be nice. And that's left you with two major ideas, which is the NC Miata, which, yes, the answer for you, Bruce, certainly could be Miata. The other one is the SLK. And you've come to us and gone, what am I missing after listing those two? You've also mentioned the Mini Cooper is an outlier for you. Would that work? and you feel like it's a little tall and upright. But I would say to you, it looks that way, but the seating position is surprisingly low in a Mini. Those early Minis mm-hmm. especially, yeah, yeah. your legs are very straight out front compared to what you think. I mean, they are the exact opposite in seating position from the Fiat 500, which is very like box van in its in its seating position, it just is, it's very high. Yeah, you're almost like you're sitting point. in a chair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you 're sitting in a, hair, a chair holding a dinner plate is the thing we always talked about with with that that 's how you <laughs> drive that car the mini your your legs are almost straight out front you 're actually sitting pretty low, which is helpful in those cars. I think that is a worthwhile one to drive but that 's your big question thirteen grand to spend you want it to be fun, you want it to be convertible it 's going to be a back roads car you want it to run that 'd be nice uh, that 's where thirteen grand's going into but you 're saying <laughs> what am I forgetting and I have 3 actually that you need to drive. I don't know any other, other than the answer, but you need to drive the 3 that are on my brain. But that isn't Miata is a very compelling argument.
0: Yeah, agreed. And you can get nice ones for 13 to 15 grand yeah. in there. You can mm-hmm. get some really good cars that would be reliable. I mean, I don't think you'd know what to do with yourself if a car just ran. You'd just kind of scratch yeah. your head and sell it and buy a or ask you to somebody to give <laughs> huh. you another car just to sort of like ah, back to where you know. Anyway, just kidding.
1: Huh? That's that's still that's still running. <laughs> that's weird. Okay, all right. I'm gonna go drive.
0: Why is my car still running? Uh, no, I that's think great,
1: that's great I mean, that's what we want you to do.
0: Um, I also have some suggestions, but I do want to suggest mid-engine configuration. I, I mean, where I'm going with this is some different powertrains for you, because mm-hmm. you are experienced with with cars. You've had a lot of good stuff here. I'm thinking just expand the horizons for you a little bit. Thinking mid engine and thinking German. <clears throat> no surprise there. So I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way. I went looking for O2 Porsche Boxsters and promptly found yep. one. 15 promptly, grand. Yes. Look at this beautiful red, cherry red, beautiful, well maintained. It's a cream puff. What can I do to get you into this car today? <laughs> Uh, Please
1: stop. Please stop. <laughs> Are you wearing gold chains while you do this? This is all bad. Ooh, this that's is no, a good this idea. Is no good. All right. It's, 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 it's used car Paul. That is all bad. <laughs> that, that's a terrible image that I was now burned oh. into my retinas. <laughs> Move on, on. Go on. Yeah, go. Okay.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, as as much as a fan of Porsche that I am, I can't ignore those. And I, I think, I mean, gosh, 45,000 on an 02, that's nothing. For fifteen grand, you've got to at least go dry one and see how it stacks up. It might not speak to you, which is just fine. But again, as we say, at least you'll have that in your hip pocket as an experience. But I will move on from there. I will well, stay. hang on. I want to.
1: I want to back your. I want to back your play on Boxster oh, for a second. Oh, yeah, I, I, that's on my list. Because cool. here's the thing. Look, Fantastic. I know it's the obvious Porsche card, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that. But since you brought it up, I do want to mention it. For thirteen to fifteen grand, you have your choice of first gen Boxsters. You. You have just. Go find an option. Which one do you like? What's your color? What's your spec? There are tons of them out there, okay? So that is genuinely an option. You need to go drive it. It is a candidate. Somebody is screaming IMS bearing right now, and those boxers were less prone to it than the 911s. Of course, there is a fix for that if you were worried about it. Um, Most of the time, the ones, this is an interesting reality. Most of the time, the ones that have problems are the ones that were driven less. I've actually had that mentioned to me a couple of times by reputable mechanics. The ones that were babied and hardly have any miles on them have a tendency to do it more. And also the ones that were tracked. You're not going to track it. You're going to buy a used model. It's probably going to have some mileage to get into your budget. You're kind of avoiding the IMS issue. And then, yes, you could just pay, I think it's $2,000, which is not nothing. But you can pay and get it fixed and then not worry about it. But you have options at your budget for a Porsche Boxster that would be genuinely fun to drive. It can't be ignored. There are other options, but it can't be ignored.
0: Absolutely, I'm I'm kind of glad you back my play there. That's uh, I mean you do often. Sometimes you're Porsche guy and I'm not, but uh, yeah, no, no, that's that's all good. You've got to go look at those. I uh, I thought I'd stay German just
1: okay. because,
0: and I thought of Z threes and Z fours most mostly landing sure. on Z4s because gosh one here 03 Z4 26,000 miles mm, all maintenance mm. all records garage non-smoker uh, what's not to like uh sure, convertible sure. so keep in mind I'm staying convertible even though the the SLK Bruce that you mentioned is hard top unless it's an SLK a little bit harder to find the the hard top convertible in this price category so i'm staying just you know soft tops mm-hmm as you can probably Mm -hmm, tell here. mm -hmm. But Z4, uh, go drive it. Loads of power in those things. You can find them, manual transmission. And probably, like this one I'm looking at here, they've been kind of babied just because they were a bit of an expensive car new. They've probably been maintained by owners. But the prices have just dropped to the floor. I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wants those used. You're right. It's crazy.
0: I'm going to go kind of out there. But I'm going to say ignore the haters. And this is a car that <laughs> okay. both Todd and I have driven, so I'm going to dredge right. up some old memories here for you. I'm
1: very curious.
0: 2006 Pontiac Solstice GXP. Remember that car?
1: I am shocked you went there because it's on my list, too. Are you kidding me? No. The, the the Solstice and the Sky. Now, you have to go the turbo version, which means the GXP in the Pontiac or the red line, I believe it is, in the Saturn. You have to go drive that car. You can get them all day long at this price. Yeah. All day long. You, you have to. It may not be the answer, but you must go drive it because they're, they look good. They are actually good to drive. With the turbo engine, they're worth it. With the non-turbo, you're going to probably wish you're in the Miata. But keep going, man.
0: The one I found, unfortunately, has Lambo doors. Yuck. But... The ones out But I out found there,
1: tons that didn't. Keep going.
0: There are plenty that don't, as you said. Mm-hmm. And the GXP is the one you want with the turbo. And by virtue of the wheelbase and just the size of car alone, because there's people out there and you drive by and you go, "Oh yeah, I remember that car," but meh, whatever. There's better ones. There are. That's true. But for the price and for the uniqueness of that car, I yep. I'm still trying to decide: is it the Saturn or the the Pontiac that I like better? I guess I just like the purity of the design concept where they started. They went so fast mm-hmm. on the, you know, concept to let's go build this, let's do this. I think they might have been either on the tail end of, you know, small sporty roadsters in that era. I think it might have actually worked better in this in today's market with the proliferation of, you know, car enthusiasts that just want a small fun Possibly. roadster
1: so i so wish that that you know, platform somehow had survived on the gm platform and so, under some brand had they oh, done a yeah. generation two because it was one of those cars like the fiero where it was one of those cars where it was starting to get good when it died and so you know i just i so wish they had done a second gen of it i mean i i honestly feel like the worst thing about those cars is that the 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 retractable top is ridiculous compared to something like a Miata. I mean, the Miata yeah. rules in the retractable top. You just yeah, you, you slide the one bar and you throw it over your, ar- your over your head with one arm. The solstice is a get out, raise the clamshell, put the put the back away. That's a little absurd, honestly. That was actually one of the biggest usability problems of that car, but it was genuinely good to drive. And and yeah, you can get them all day long at this price.
0: Yeah, yeah, and with low miles too. Which means, I mean, these things are just. Kind of sitting in garages, and I bet you people are going. Oh, eh, well, I don't really drive it much anymore. I might as well, you know, mm-hmm. go to a good home. I think it's the perfect person who's in the 13 to 15 range. I think this car has to be considered because again, I saw one the other day, and I kind of went, "Oh yeah, eh." You know, we've driven other fun, you know, but they're more expensive cars. They're mm-hmm. dynamically probably a bit better, more features, all that stuff. But again, more expensive. When you when you throw that price range at it. It's hard to ignore. Yeah. So I say, ignore the haters. Go drive one. Go see if you can find one. Take the drive. And uh, I think both Todd and I were surprised. Initially on, we're going, this is this is GM. And keep in mind, this is GM 10, 12 years ago.
1: But yeah. we're yeah, going... Yeah.
0: Gosh, they, they kind of get it. They're, they're getting it. Come on, more and yeah. more. I would have loved, as you no, said. No, gen- genu- genu- it's genuinely
1: well-tuned chassis-wise. And uh, that turbo version, if memory serves, is 260 horsepower and torque. It moves that car. Oh, yeah. it genuine, genuine power in that range. I have one more. I don't know if you have another one, but I have one more that I feel like can't be ignored. And that is you could get yourself an S2000. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. There it is. Uh have to say it. I mean, you know, we could go – I initially thought, oh, the Nissan 350Z convertible, ugly. I mean, personal preference, but I just don't like how the convertible looks. It just – the proportions change dramatically when they cut the top off that car, mm-hmm. and it just really stopped working for me. And I thought, all right, well, maybe. But these others were suggesting –
1: you know. That car has the, the M3, the E46 M3 convertible problem, and that is it's not nearly as good a car in convertible form as yeah. it is as the actual coupe. Yeah. The 350, the the great thing about the 350 now is that they're so affordable, they can be a fantastic, let's just go buy a 350 kind of car. I mean, you can get them for this this budget all day long, but, of course, that's a hard top. I wouldn't get a convertible in that car. I do agree with you there.
0: Hmm. So I, I'm just shocked because I was just uh... – yeah, I really thought we'd be farther apart on on uh, these suggestions.
1: Well, but once you get into this price and convertible, you've so narrowed your options. I am surprised we both remember the, the Pontiac Solstice, though. But w- at that point, you've, you've narrowed your options so much. What I really hope that you do is go drive these cars we're mentioning, Bruce, just to put them against each other and see what really speaks to you. Because I suspect you will be surprised by what you like. Because... Y- I think I think the obvious thing is well convertible. I should drive a Miata. Yes, you should. But there are yeah. others out there. I mean, I could even go really out in the weeds and say drive the last the MR2 Spider. You know that that's one you could get for man half your budget. I don't think it's got kind of a vertical seating position. You're concerned about that. I don't know that that works for you there. But you could even drive that one if you want to go really off into wild card territory. But mm-hmm. these are these are all worth driving and going. What do I like? What really speaks to me? And they're all in your budget. And yeah. There's the list.
0: Yeah, and I'll bet you they're all well-maintained. Even S2000s in that range are, you know, maybe close to 100,000 miles, maybe a bit over. But, you know, those, those cars, no problem. No worries But at those all. cars
1: are just going to run. They just are. That's true.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, that's funny. I guess the Solstice has a bit of a hidden sweet spot in our hearts just because, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. I just – I was looking at these and going, oh, yeah. Do you remember the um, – what did they call the – Hatchback version of the Solstice that was very limited
1: edition. The the coupe, and and I actually looked those up in this discussion. The coupe, and the thing is, because they were so limited edition, and they're much better looking, they really are. They're great looking, and they have a big targa top removable piece. But the cheapest you can find those is still thirty grand, because so few of them are made. People are hanging on to those like they're a collector car. I didn't see why, but one of them that I saw was listed at seventy five grand. And I'm sorry, but you you actually are you are high on something. Seventy-five grand for that car is never going to happen, but and I I don't care. Literally, you could have you could have put a Ferrari V12 in the front and figured out how to make that work. And seventy-five grand is still stupid for that car. But you've got to have at least thirty to go find a coupe, and the coupes are great looking. And it's just because there's so few of them, and they are the better looking car. So if you wanted to go crazy, you could do that, Bruce. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about half that money. And uh, and and that's the thing. Thirty was the floor of the coupes. I mean, a lot of them were like thirty-five, forty, forty-five. Like, Something. I don't. I, that's that's a tough, tough pill at that point. Even though they're cool looking.
0: That's how you could end up with the Ferrari Testanova. Drop a Ferrari V12 in the front of that <laughs> no. thing. No.
1: Stop. Stop. That would be
0: a giant waste of money. Anyway. Okay. Well, I'll move I'll on. jump
1: in. I'll jump into that pool with you for a minute. Can you can you actually <laughs> take the two badges and cut them in half and fuse them together? So it's Testa from the actual Ferrari font followed by Nova from the tacky, you know, Chevy block font. And actually, you actually fuse those together and stick that on the side of the car just to really just drive (laughs) the point home.
0: Is anybody really good with Photoshop and you've got a little bit of time on your hands or a little downtime at work? Photoshop those two together, Testa Nova and tweet put, at us. Uh, put um, them on the
1: side of a car. Put a little rust I'm in the corner. You.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Bored with Photoshop, we'll tweet that out for you. Yeah, there you go. That's Heck funny. Heck yeah.
0: Heck yeah. The marble runs down. You know, the panel gaps are perfect right into the rust hole. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Let's let's try to move on from that terrible <laughs> idea. Um, we've got a second car debate here from Brad. Brad writes to us, kind of a short email, but thank you, Brad. You've given us some good information here. Uh, your wife has said, "Okay, you know what? Just go get a fun car. Just just get a fun fun car." And you've got twenty five to twenty seven grand to spend. Uh, and what's the problem here? Is it's crazy? Is that she said, "Go get a fun car," but you've been looking for two years. And I got to be honest when I hear fun car and that kind of budget, I think I'll be looking for the next two days and have something. I, I will acknowledge and I will have bought the uh, probably the smallest rear-wheel drive thing I can find. You on the other hand, need back seats for your kids in this fun car and you're obsessed with straight line speed, dragging and raw horsepower. So right there I had to kind of recalibrate my brain and went, oh, not anything that I think of when you when you throw this headline at me. You're looking for a fast, powerful thing you can put the kids in, and that's for fun. And I, I see that. So I've got, I've got a couple ideas. You've driven a lot of the, the kind of standard uh, suspects here, but where did you go with this, Paul?
0: I think something's formulating. I just looked up some stuff here. Just uh, looked up some stuff. I think some things are formulating. All right. Uh, <laughs> I like, okay. uh, as we've talked about, you are open to the import thing, importing you know, out of country.
1: Yeah, I wonder,
0: yeah. are we limited to 25 years? We are, aren't we, on that?
1: Yep. It's got to be twenty. 20- yep, definitely. Ah, got to be 25 years idea. back. Yep, got to be that far back.
0: <laughs> I'll say it anyway, just for consideration, but I'll get there. Because I was thinking, uh, hmm. Well, I guess I'll start with that. And that is a Mitsubishi Evo 9. Even though you can get them here, I was thinking about you know some sort of interesting you know, imported, you know, like an EVO wagon, or, you know, I don't know what what could be imported, but they're not 25 years old.
1: Huh. EVO 4, 6? But, sorry, if you've got this kind of money, buy an EVO that's in the country. We're, yeah, we're, we're we're creating we're creating extra issues to try to import an Evo just to say we imported it. There's perfectly good Evos that exist out there for twenty five to twenty seven grand if you want to go Evo. I I hadn't thought of that actually, but that is an interesting thought.
0: I guess I only say that to kind of prove your point that you're talking about that it is if you're going to import a car, everybody thinks of the R thirty two, Skyline R thirty two, and mm-hmm. yeah, certainly meets the requirements. We can do that all day long. But unless it's some super hot version of a car, but most of the ones I can think of, unless it's like a 1990 Ford Fiesta RS Turbo or, (laughs) uh, you know, a Golf Rally or a Celica GT4 or, you know, stuff like that that is, do you really want to go through all the hassle and do that when we've got perfectly good cars? And that's why I was initially thinking Evo 10 for that kind of price, the problem yeah. is again the budget is 25 to 27 my question is can we find one that is not super modded that hasn't been tracked to death that is still probably decently kept that's an Evo 10 that you could get cuz that would be <laughs>
1: Money. It would be cool. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I see where you went. I mean, I went a different category there. I mean, he said he's owned WRX STIs and an SRT4 and the G35, and he's owned various things that that we like. What I think is interesting is that he's actually looked at a couple that I feel like were obvious answers to this because I really got myself stuck. And maybe I'm wrong here, Brad, but I got myself stuck on the fact that you're talking about speed, drag racing, raw horsepower, so I kind of start to throw handling much farther down the list. It's not out the window, but it's much farther down the list. and just mm-hmm. gets you something that honestly starts to feel like a sleeper. You said you've looked at the GTO and the Pontiac G8, and those are my first two thoughts for you, because those are cars that you can get for your budget. You can get a gorgeous one of either of those cars for your budget. And most people either A, don't know what they are or don't remember them, or B, have no idea how fast they genuinely are, how much power right. they genuinely are. I actually think those are great ideas for you. You've thought of them, but apparently it has just sparked you, as to wow, I really should have that car. I mean, you're right, Paul. The STIs and the SRT4, you know, that kind of stuff suggests yeah, Evo might be a match, and maybe it is. But I was just thinking, okay, what's a big sleeper? Like a big sleeper car. Mm-hmm. I I I wonder if handling is that important. I don't know. So I had here was my idea. Okay. Maybe I'm off in the weeds, but we're talking about a car. Put the kids in it. But you want to go fast. You just want to go. Put your foot in it and and have some attitude. You could get yourself a used Dodge Charger SRT8. Now, that's going to be the prior body style to the current one, but all kinds of attitude. If you don't get one in one of the flashy colors with the the racing stripes down the side, most people don't know how fast that car is. Big old V8 in it, big old Hemi in it, lots of power. I, I don't get the sense that you're chasing handling. That car works on a back road, but it's a big car on a back road. Watch our Chevy SS versus that SRT8 yeah, uh, yeah. video. It works on a back road, but you gotta, you got to wrestle it. You definitely do. It's a big car. But if you're flying down the freeway, the one we had had everything you could imagine. It had adaptive cruise control and great seats and heated and cooled cup holders. I mean, it was a luxury car, but yep. I, I have never seen so many people that knew what it was gave me thumbs up while everybody else ignored it. I remember there was a guy on a on a, <laughs> right. on a, on a, on a crotch rocket came flying up beside me and just slowed down and looked at me and gave me the thumbs up and then took off. And everybody else in traffic they either thought it was a cop car or they ignored it. But you can just hammer that car, just blast by people have so much fun with the power in it and yet it is a big huge cross country cruiser. The kids will be thrilled in it. I I, I that I'm going to stay there. I'm going to stay right there.
0: Okay. I I hear you. I Gosh, Brad, I wish that an O2 Chevy Corvette Z06 worked for you cuz I just found one for $21,000, 60,000 miles in Millennium Falcon Yellow. Oh wait, no, Millennium Yellow. I know nothing about Millennium Falcons. Doesn't matter.
1: Um, <laughs> Millennium Falcon Yellow is so wrong that somewhere is, my son is now crying, just so you know. My what's son an who, who worship Star <laughs> my son, who worships at the at the feet of Star Wars, is crying that you think that 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 is now yellow. Anyway, yeah, Millennium Falcon yellow is. I I I may need to actually just step away for a minute. I'm so completely. Millennium
0: astounded. yellow. I misspoke. Millennium only. Just Millennium. But I I just see Millennium and I automatically add the word Falcon. Stop I just my brain up. adds that word and like I can't wait. Stop. Oh right. Please stop. Uh, I uh I like the wheels on this thing. I mean. $21,000, we still got to talk about just all the generations of the Z06 and what they mean. Mm-hmm. The problem is the C6 yep. Z06 is still about $40,000 out of your price range. And yeah. because of the kids' equation, it really still doesn't work. It doesn't have the back
1: seat. True. No, it doesn't matter. So
0: I guess that's why I keep coming back to the Evos because, yes, you've had mm-hmm. the WRX and the STIs. The Mitsubishi is a competitor. It, it's a different car. It does it different things. It definitely is. It yep. speaks to different yep. areas and you can find one and it still meets those equations. And it's mm-hmm. it's just like you're used to, it is just unbelievably high strung. And it yep. it just that it translates into your driving. And so therefore it's always fun and problem is, you know, cars you don't expect to be fast, well, with that wing, everybody expects you to be fast, but you could unscrew it and just put That the Thanks for bringing and, up that wing. I mean, I thought about you know, that.
1: Here's the thing. If you get one, especially if you could find an MR, uh, that, that's even more subtle, but, ooh, but if you yeah. could put, the MR, put an MR wing on a GSR, take the big Monster Boy Racer wing off the back of the GSR, put the MR little lip on it, which is actually really classy, and the only people that will know that car is fast are the people that know cars. Mm-hmm. And nobody else will yeah. have any idea why the little Japanese Mitsubishi on the back. When's the last time I saw a Mitsubishi? I don't remember. While you blur by. That, <laughs> hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the Evo 10. I totally yeah. agree. I, I'm going to stay with the big brooding muscle car. But I, I see your Evo 10. I, I do I do support that idea for sure.
0: See my Evo 10 and you raise me an SRT8. I see it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Ra- raise you four more cylinders. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just because, again, that car, don't lump them in with the SRT4 and the WRX. Don't quite lump it there together until you've driven one. And then tell us what you think. So, well, there's a
1: unique personality there, for sure. Fantastic yeah. seats. I mean, we, we've talked that car up many, many times. And it is overlooked. And too bad it's going away.
0: We're going to drive it again soon at some point. We are. And then we're going to make an ode to the Evo. It's going to be 25 minutes of just Evo footage. <laughs> We have so much EVO
1: footage, it's ridiculous. It's just going to be sun flares and rousing music (laughs) and, yeah, exactly.
0: It's just blurry images. Like, is that an EVO? I can't really tell. They said it was. That would buy too
1: fast. That would buy too fast. That was out of focus. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be all
0: out of focus and just, (laughs) yo.
1: The title of the video is going to be EVO with a question mark. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, hope that helps. Uh, Thank you both for writing in. Uh, Very, very interesting. And all of you guys are keeping us on our toes here. I'm still trying to think of import stuff, but I just don't think it's the wise move at this point. Even though it's cool, it's cool. It'd be different, but...
1: Well, but not he's not going to get that yet. Skyline he wants for his price point. And so no, let's be honest, no. after that, what do you really want to import that gets you that excited? I mean, because he's even brought up the R32 Skyline. We're just we're not in that world. But I see how you can follow that train of thought and wind up at the Evo going from the Skyline. I, I see how you got there. Uh, we should try to move on to some Facebook questions. I will acknowledge uh, we're recording this podcast a little bit early. We uh, we had to do that for a schedule change. So we did not post for new Facebook questions. However, you guys posted another half dozen or so after After the last time we recorded a podcast, you were still adding to that list. So we just had a bunch more new ones to to talk about. So I've actually uh, mentioned or or tagged three here. Did you add any others, Paul?
0: Mm, I'm looking at Matt Torico's best getaway car question.
1: Best getaway (laughs)
0: car. Best getaway car. I keep coming back to Ronin and that 03 Audi S8 that they had. That was a good car. But then... The transporter movies have kind of ruined us all, right? For you know the proper. Get-away I'm going to say
1: I'm going to say Hellcat Charger, yeah. not because I just came off of talking about a Charger, but I mean you, you and your entire crew and all of their guns and everything you have just stolen will fit in the in the Hellcat, and you still have 700 horsepower at your disposal and that supercharger. You're going to get away. You might not completely get yeah, away, but for see? a time, and for those in Los Angeles that stop everything they're doing just to watch the chase <laughs> on the news, they'd like to see a Hellcat for once. I mean, that would be just, it's almost a public service <laughs> to drive that Hellcat as fast as you can across Los Angeles with the cops kind of chasing you. That's the craziest thing about LA car chases is that the cops chase at a safe distance, which is just, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I literally don't have a, a brain cell that understands that reality. But, right, you know what? If you're going to rob something, let's throw down and do it in style. Let's let's do, you know, seriously, let's do the <laughs> bank sorry. robbery in downtown Los Angeles like the movie Heat. Let's do that. But yeah. let's jump in the, in the charger now, the Hellcat charger, and let's see how many freeways you can hit before you get caught. Because let's be honest, you're going to get caught. But let's at least do it with style. That's where I'm staying.
0: I like that a lot. See, Hellcat chargers are useful and just, you know, not just for burnouts. Because, uh, yeah, everybody tuning in, watching the car chase on TV would say, man, thank you, driver, whoever you are. How refreshing. Finally, a Hellcat. We get to watch a Hellcat. Leave the cops You know what I've never
1: done? I've never driven a Hellcat. I should drive one now. I should drive one.
0: I wonder if they're $30,000 yet. I should go find (laughs) out. Huh.
1: As as we keep saying, and I will continue to say, when Hellcats and GTRs are $30,000, lock your doors, America, because the roads are going to be dangerous. I'm telling you.
0: On the bright side, tire sales will skyrocket anyway. All right. Yes.
1: Invest in tires and lock your doors. That's going to be the the, the reality. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Good question. But, yeah, it's got to be big because you're obviously robbing something and you've got stuff. You and your crew, yeah. And guns and crew and people and… Stuff and, so and, and here's, stuff. and here's the ad. Yeah. Here's the
1: ad. It says it says dodge at the top of the at the top of the print ad. It says dodge. It's one of them with guys in masks, but the tires just lit up. It's guys in masks with tires lit up and the tagline just says plan a getaway. Done. I love it. That's the other. That's the other Photoshop assignment for those of you listening. If you're just bored with Photoshop, you can build that one for us too. I'm not sure what we're doing with these, but apparently we're just building a Photoshop <laughs> portfolio for no real apparent reason. But well, thanks for joining We're sending, us.
0: Yeah. We're sending to FT, FCA because I mean FCA. We're giving you gold here. Our, our, we're, we're, our, Clearly we're there is an, there's
1: an unserved market. I mean really, you know, five Go guys on. with with machine guns actually robbing a store. That's at, you know they need getaway cars. This is a public Plan service. A it really is. That's yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Terrible. It's awful. It really is. All right,
0: moving on. What else is on your list?
1: Uh we've got Anthony wrote in and said, uh, what are what are our thoughts on uh on oil change uh variables here? Because you know the Germans now are saying a recommendation of fifteen thousand miles when you get your um your BMW with the fifty thousand mile all in service, for example. Uh there <laughs> I actually knew an owner that called his BMW dealer at about six thousand miles when he bought his new BMW and said, um, Hi, Uh yeah, I was wondering about service. And the guy that in the line went, is there a problem? And he said, no, 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 I'm just wondering. What's your mileage? It's like almost 7,000. The guy said, no, no, it, that's not due till 15. <laughs> so Click. unless there's something wrong, we'll talk to you later. We'll let you know. So anyway, um it has changed to a situation. I mean... Jiffy Lube has pushed the reality of every 3,000 miles you must do an oil change. If you're putting in synthetic, there is absolutely no reason to do that. The synthetic lasts so much longer than that. And you can start scouring the Internet to the guys that actually, and there are many, will actually take a sample of the oil and send it off to a lab for the lab to tell them how much viscosity is left and how much longer that oil could have gone. So, I mean, trust me, I've seen this dark corner of the Internet. It exists. (laughs) Um, but, but, But the point is... But the point is that really good synthetic oil now lasts a long time. And if those manufacturers are giving you, like the BMW, 50,000-mile all-in service, and they don't feel like they need to change it before 15,000 miles in, and they're covering you till 50, clearly they know something. They've done the testing that that's not going to wreck your engine. So... I mean, most cars now seem to be needing about 10 or 12. I'll give you two examples. The, uh, the Porsche Cayenne that we have as a family car, it needs it about every 10. It lets you know it needs it about every 10. The GMC Acadia we had before that, it also lets you know how often it needed, needed it. That one averaged about every 12. So this isn't out of, out of the question for this to be a 15,000-mile service.
0: The uh, first Cayman that I had... Can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, recommended twenty thousand. The car that I yeah, have yeah none now, of us can believe you're saying that either. But I can't believe it. Um, the Cayman that I have now recommends twenty thousand service intervals, but I can tell you, the Porsche guys, myself included, we really don't pay attention to that. That is optimal condition driving with no you know hard sure. revs and sure, not being course. hard on the car, and you're just putzing around Phoenix like the prior owner of my car did. I think that's fine, <laughs> but if you're driving the car pay attention to what you're doing. With synthetics, Five to 7000 That's my own personal thing. That might be a little bit of early maintenance. But again, you pay for it now or you pay for it later. And so oil change is one of the cheapest things you can do. It's the lifeblood of your engine. True. It's True. the single cheapest, most effective thing you can do for your car. And if you keep on top of just a simple thing like an oil change, even though the Porsche dealerships want to charge you, as you've just stated in the Video the long term your Cayenne long term oh yeah yeah Hmm? oh yeah yeah they definitely um, they've got boat payments that are due apparently Mm -hmm. every month
1: they have kids to send to college at the Porsche dealer so they you know they're yeah they're gonna charge you Hmm?
0: I mean that's why I started doing them myself and it's just yeah I know know. stupid easy and you think three hundred and twenty five dollars an hour for this really I'm in the wrong
1: business (laughs) yeah absolutely true yeah I hear you it's
0: it's yeah it's like making a pretzel or I mean it's just easy anyway. Oil
1: changes like making a pretzel. I, I I am so confused now, I my brain hurts. Go on.
0: Ay, ay, ay. So uh I can tell you that uh enthusiasts ignore that. They do it sooner. Could the car go that far? Yes it could. Do you want it to? Do you really I mean it's your baby. So I say five to seven and um you know, even nine is fine. Nine, ten, okay. But, uh, you know, especially if you're tracking it, dusty environments, you're, you're touching, all stuff.
1: But you're touching on a side note. You have to know what kind of driving you're doing. Exactly. I mean, in the case of the exactly. Cayenne that we have and in the Acadia, what is that doing? That's doing family commute work. It, it, it's just, that's what it's doing. And the car is measuring its own kind of how hard is it working, how hard is it revved, and it's it's then measuring the oil life and blah. It's what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. So anyway, but, um, you know, the, the cars that I have that I drive hard, I'm running 7 to 10, and I'm putting in nice synthetic, and I'm running 7 to 10,000 miles between oil changes. So I'm with you. I wouldn't go 15 on a car being driven hard. If you're commuting it around and you live in a normal climate where it's not absurdly cold or absurdly hot, You've got a little more leeway there or even a massive amount of dust in the air, You know this kind of thing. These are all factors. You have to think about what's your environment, and that definitely affects the situation. If you're towing with
0: your 911 or your Cayman, then you need to change your oil more frequently. If you're towing your motor home.
1: Yeah, that would be a little bit helpful. What is the tow rating? Forget it. I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, Feather,
0: I think. (laughs) If that. You
1: could tow your bicycle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just drag it.
0: Uh, Yeah, as I said, the snark has uh, invaded the podcast, but uh, we will keep going because I like that Colin asked, uh, (laughs) uh, does it bother us when car dealers list an automatic transmission as a manual? BMW listening seemed to be the worst offenders in his opinion. I agree. You can always tell the dealerships that have just hired new employees straight out of Bed, Bath & Beyond. No offense to anybody that works at Bed, Bath & Beyond (laughs) or... You know, Kinko's everywhere, but I'm just saying, you gotta know your cars. And if it's a dual clutch transmission, they need to specifically put that in there because we're Agreed. looking for Agreed. it. Buyers mm-hmm. are looking. Mm-hmm. It can't just be manual or auto and that's it. Well, what kind of auto is it? The mm. slush box? Is it? Does it have paddles? How yeah. fast do the paddles change? Like, tell me all this information. I yeah, it bugs. Well, it's not frequent. But, yes, but, but I
1: mean, here's the thing. You see, you see the guys that look at paddles and are like, oh, well, you can actually drive this automatic itself. So that must be a manual. Well, no. Or you can go <laughs> actually stay not. in BMW for a second. You don't have to go very far into BMW to talk about the E46, which had that SMG, all right? Right. And, uh, and that was the same gearbox. The exact same gearbox you had for the six-speed manual is now an automated manual. Right. And right. you know there are all these guys that will talk about how well actually that you, you could classify that as a manual. Folks, if you can drive it without a third pedal, this is not a manual transmission. It's just not. So let's just move on. So <laughs> that has to be listed properly.
0: Count the pedals and then tell us.
1: Maybe that's the, that should be a
0: rule. <laughs> count the pedals first. Dead pedal doesn't count. And then
1: Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs>
0: All right, all right. I like that Donald is uh, kind of dressing us now. He's telling you that you uh, might look better in a gold shirt. I kind of find that funny.
1: That's frightening. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the the running joke is do I only wear red and no, I don't. And uh, actually, uh, Chance, who shoots for us, uh, his wife has met me on a few occasions, but every time she's met me, she's met me somewhere around a shoot. Oh, that's and I right. think, I think, I think, Chance's poor wife actually thinks that I don't own anything but a red T-shirt. I, I really <laughs> think she thinks that, and I'm sorry, very sorry for her that, that she's had that experience because it is ridiculous how often I wear the uniform, and yet I have so many other things I wear. Uh, no one would, no one would accuse me of being well dressed. By the way, I will also acknowledge that. However, very little of it is red T-shirts, except for on the show. So yeah. <laughs> There's that.
0: <laughs> Nobody believes you, really. I... You
1: know, no, and I, I, I don't blame them. I mean, let's be honest, the video proof is overwhelming against what I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Tom, Tom Gold to, wrote, wrote to us about German cars. I hate to stay on the German car thing, but we also dropped the uh, my, that third uh, long-term ownership video on the Cayenne. Great comments on that video. I mean, that's been a, a surprising long-term discussion car, honestly. Because, you know, I bought it, very excited about it. My wife loves it. But there really was a large group of people that said instantly, well, that car's just going to break. And I remember thinking, why? Why Why? why would it just break? Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, but, but Tom's writing to us and going, "Why are we? why do we talk up required maintenance on German cars? I mean, he's talking about having a 2011 Carrera with 60,000 miles on it, and the only maintenance has been normal oil changes, and he does, you know, He's done a brake flush, and the PDK works great. And it's really, I mean, it's just been a car he bought and just works. Nothing's wrong with it. So uh, he's asking, why on earth do we kind of caution people on German car ownership, which is a fair question, and it comes back to the Cayenne thing. I mean, one guy asked this week, he was like, why on earth Am I worried about a car with 80,000 miles? Why shouldn't it just run? And I agree with you. It should just run at 80,000 miles. But there is a headspace in the the kind of the common buyer or a lot of enthusiast buyers that you've had horror story experiences with German-made cars that are always in the shop. And I'm talking across many brands. I know people with BMWs, Audis, Volkswagens actually not porsches but mercedes and others that have mm-hmm. had constant issues right i think porsches generally aren't on that list they generally do run but because of german people uh, pardon me people's experience with german car maintenance it gets lumped in uh but also i have to say to you tom you have 60,000 miles on your car most german cars from 0 miles to 60,000 miles are probably just going to run not all but most it's the 60 to 100 where they can start becoming money pits thankfully the cayenne has not
0: Yep, it's from here on out that you really want to start being dedicated to to it because 60,000 is fine and like Todd said, it's run up to this point just fine, but really start to take care of it and it'll just it'll really last. 200,000 is not going to be an issue, if not more. So, it also comes down to resale because mm. if you have to explain to a new buyer why you just kind of went, "Meh, I just want to save some money." That's gonna kind of turn people off. Let me ask you a question, Tom. Would you want to buy a car that somebody kind of went, well, it just it's running fine. I didn't check the oil, and nothing's happening. I just kind of drive it, and I guess it's fine. I, obviously, that's a, a step. You know, I'm I'm teasing you, but you know, I'm just saying in terms of resale value, and you wanna you wanna buy a car that's been really well maintained, even though it seems to be running fine, to keep that going, especially from here on out. Just keep. Keep doing it. Now, well, and, and, you, you can you can find cheaper ways to do it because I see, I'm reading between the lines, it does cost money. And finding, mm-hmm. especially among Porsche dealers, there's lots of guys. The, in the VW, Audi, and Porsche camps, they have been factory trained, factory service trained, and they go out and they start their own business, and you get the same level of expertise and service and sure. all of that stuff oh, that's vital. for a lot yeah. less. And mm-hmm. that's, been, that's what Todd's talking about. That's exactly what yeah. that Cayenne video yeah. speaks to, is, is somebody just like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely ways to get it uh, inexpensively. I want to speak to another thing that I think Tom is hinting at here. I mean, he's basically saying, I've done everything my car has needed, and it hasn't needed much. And I agree with you, mm-hmm. Tom. It shouldn't. It absolutely right. shouldn't. So I mean, he's been good about his maintenance. But the thing that we always say, and I want to reiterate it here. If you, if you take uh, a Honda Accord, and I'm not picking on Accords because they're actually great cars, but if you take a Honda Accord, my joke on that is always it will run in spite of you. You yeah. can meet the Honda Accord owner that doesn't realize that they needed to change the oil 10,000 miles ago. <laughs> they, they uh, what do you mean? Their air filters, what, what, what I, though the air filter needs to be changed? I mean, these are the people that Jiffy Lube is speaking to about every 3,000 miles because they just they don't do it. German cars don't run in spite of you. They are thoroughbreds in that you better you better treat that horse well, okay? Yep. So yep. that that's the thing about it. It's not that we want to caution people of, please don't buy a German car. No, I mean, there, a lot of times we talk German cars. But unfortunately, there there is a contingent of people that buy a car and forget about it maintenance-wise and just, well, if something breaks, I'll fix it. But otherwise, I'm going to ignore it okay, that's a little bit different ownership headspace than go buy a German car that when it says, I need this little thing done, you need to go do it because it's going to start to domino. That's the bigger issue.
0: Thank you guys for writing in. This is uh, about all the time we've got for this podcast, but we really appreciate it. Oh, Brad's also writing here on Facebook. We answered his question and he also wrote to us on Facebook. Do you notice that? Road well, you know- Warrior or Beyond the Thunderdome? Brad, Road Warrior, all day long. <laughs> I
1: agree. Road Warrior, baby. I agree. Now with less <laughs> Tina Turner. That's really the key there. Yeah, yeah. Moving on.
0: I don't have a Tina Turner impression for you all, so uh, we will no. Just please wrap don't. Up. Please don't even
1: try. That that sounds like a terrible, terrible. You're going to see have to imagine that flames. one. No, no. <laughs> we already had used car dealer Paul earlier. We really, really ought to close this down. Thank I practiced guys that for in front of the mirror, by the way. i have you know. Stop. Thank you for listening. And uh, and this week, we actually have a new piece from Tom, our European correspondent. We're excited to share that. We've got an upcoming piece on uh, the Mustang Track Day School that we did recently. A couple of big shoots coming up we can't really announce yet, but those are either in the can or be, about to be shot that are going to be awesome, really cool comparos coming up. And we've got to get your car. Your GTS needs to get into the long-term mix. That's coming soon as well.
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Thank you, guys. Again, as I said, uh, check out the Adventures tab, everydaydriver.com. We want you on the trip with us. We are continuing to talk about it. You will hear more from us on that. And uh, please consider, it's going to be definitely in the category of trip of a lifetime. And then Chicago Track Day. Looking forward to seeing you all there. In the meantime, thank you, guys. Talk to you soon.